1: Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you too long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. In the backyard of our house is an apple tree. I've never had an apple tree before, and I was so excited to see the blooms emerging on the tree when the weather finally warmed. I was out there every day as the first pink petals unfolded one by one, and then it seemed like they all popped, the whole tree looking like a cloud just before sunrise. I wandered out there with my morning tea and a blanket round my shoulders, thinking if there was a mist, this would be a perfect start to a book about falling into a fairy world. As I sipped my tea and looked at the flowers, with the yellow center surrounded by white, I gazed at the tree and noticed there weren't any bees. The tree and its flowers should have been a magnet for any local buzzing creature, but it was silent. The lack of bees was worrying, not not just because it meant no apples in the fall, but what did that mean about the rest of the pollinators in the area? How could there be no bees? Honeybees, bees, capital bees? I didn't have any other flowers blooming in the yard, so I didn't know if it was the area or the tree. I could only investigate the tree and see if there was something that was repelling the local pollinators. I gazed at the branches, the buds, and my eyes scanned over the trunk. There on the trunk, I saw something strange. A little mark in red chalk with an X and a circle around it, so very small, as if it was made by a very small hand. The first teller for this episode is Shiloh Ott, who is a longtime listener of the podcast and a big fan of storytelling. She has written almost a dozen fairy tales, and we are thrilled to share her work with you. This is her original story, The Magic Thread.
2: The Magic Thread Once upon a time there lived a happy family, a mother, a father, and their daughter, Rosemary Winchester. Rosemary was a happy child with tan skin, dark brown hair, and blue eyes. She loved to go outdoors and play with the animals. But sadly, her mother died of an illness when Rosemary was fifteen. With her dying breath, Rosemary's mother told her, If someone Ever treats you wrong treat them with kindness and her mother gave her a sewing basket with only one spool of thread use this thread only at the right time but how will I know when the right time is Rosemary asked but her mother was gone Rosemary was saddened by the loss of her mother but she never forgot what she her mother had told her three years after the death of Rosemary's mother her father remarried He married Elaine Manglino, who had been married three times before she married Rosemary's father. Ellen also had two children from one of her previous marriages, named Rosha and Crowley. They were spiteful and selfish girls, self-obsessed and vain. Then, only a year after his marriage to Elaine, Rosemary's father was killed when his horse tripped and fell on top of him. Everything that Rosemary's father owned was left to Ellen, but was to be given to Rosemary when she was married. Rosemary's mother held a great dislike for Rosemary and did not want to give her the house and everything that she thought was rightfully hers to Rosemary. So her stepmother put her to work. She did not allow Rosemary to wear the pretty dresses ra- Asha and Crowley got to wear, or do her hair the way her stepsisters did their hair. She was given two dresses. One was brown and simple, and the other was the same, but black instead of brown. After everything she had been through, and what her stepmother was doing to her, you would have thought that Rosemary would be unhappy, but she was not. Whenever her stepmother or stepsisters did something mean to her, she would just remember what her mother had told her. If someone ever treats you wrong, treat them with kindness. And that's just what she did. At that time, the prince of the land, William Sheridan, had come of age. And as was tradition, a ball was held where any woman of age and noble birth could come. Prince William was very handsome with light brown skin, dark hair, and green eyes. So when Elaine heard the news, she got splendid dresses made for her and her daughters, and got them jewels to wear to the ball. But of course, she did not get anything for Rosemary. But Rosemary worked in secret to make a dress so she could go to the ball. On the night of the ball, Elaine, Rasha, and Crowley were in the entry, waiting for the carriage which would take them to the ball, when... Rosemary came up from the basement where she slept, wearing her dress, which was very simple but beautiful in its own way. "'Why are you wearing that silly thing?' her stepmother laughed. "'Because I'm going to the ball with you,' she replied. "'In that, that's nothing but some rags sewn together. It's falling apart,' her stepmother said as she pulled on one of the sleeves." "'Ripping it?' "'You're right, mother!' "'Her daughter sh- screamed, "'pulling and ripping the dress to shreds. "'Why? Why would you do that?' Rosalie, "'Rosemary cried. "'As she ran into the basement, "'she sat on her bed crying, "'for she had used up all her thread on the dress, "'and then she remembered "'that she had the thread her mother had given her. "'She got it out and placed the dress on a bust "'and began to sew.' The moment she finished the first seam, the dress was transformed into a dress made to look like the setting sun. As she put it on, she thought that she would never be able to make it to the ball because she had no carriage. But then she remembered the small buggy that her father always kept and the pretty little pony that pulled it. So she went and hitched the pony to the buggy and she was off. When she arrived at the palace, she gave the reins to a stable boy, who got food and water for her pony. Then she went into the bowl. Most of the people had already arrived, so all eyes were on her when she arrived. Now, Prince William was very bored, because all the women were very boring. All they talked about were dresses and shoes. They were self-absorbed, but when a beautiful princess walked in, he stood up. "'Excuse me,' he said to the woman who was talking about some fancy new dress, "'and he walked towards this beautiful stranger. "'May I have this dance?' "'Yes,' she replied as she took his hand. "'May I ask where you come from?' he asked. "'Somewhere,' she answered. "'What is your name?' "'Rosemary.' "'That is a beautiful name, but is it short for something?' he asked as they twirled and spun around the dance floor. "'Possibly,' she answered.' I'm getting the impression that you don't want to tell me anything about you. Is that correct? Maybe. Just then, the prince's mother came over to ask him who was the lovely young lady. And as they talked, Rosemary slipped away. As she ran towards the door, she heard shouts behind her. She got outside and called for her horse and carriage. She made her pony run as fast as possible, for she heard guards coming after her. 10 minutes later she sat breathing hard in the kitchen she had taken off her dress and placed it under a loose floorboard under her bed just then she heard her stepmother and stepsisters coming in she started some tea as they demanded and went down to the basement as she fell asleep she remembered how the prince had looked at her as they danced the next morning the news came that the prince would be holding another ball that night for he hoped that he would meet the beautiful stranger again rosemary was so happy but she didn't want to wear the same dress she thought her stepmother might recognize her so when her stepmother and step- sisters left she took the brown dress and the magic thread and she sewed a seam that had ripped at once the dress turn- transformed into another ball again this one made to look like the midnight sky As before, she took her pony and buggy and rode to the castle, and was the last to arrive. And as before, Prince William came and danced with her almost all night. Kept asking her questions, but she gave vague answers like before. His mother came over once more to ask her son about the beautiful stranger, and Rosemary slipped away. She got home, made tea, and went to bed. The next day, the news came that one last ball was going to be held, and Rosemary gave a sigh of relief, for she only had enough thread for one more dress. When her stepmother and stepsisters left, she got her black dress and sewed the sleeve on, for it had been ripped almost completely off. She had just enough thread to finish the sleeve and it transformed into one made, look like, made to look like the early morning sky. She took her pony and buggy out of the stable, and she was off. When she arrived, the stable boy took her pony and buggy, and she went into the castle. Prince William came over, but instead of asking her to dance, he asked her to come out into the garden. Now her stepmother had let her daughters go ahead, and she had seen everything that Rosemary had done. So she followed Rosemary and the prince into the garden and heard everything. There's something I want to ask you, the prince said. Yes, what is it? Rosemary said. I know I haven't known you very long, but it feels like I've known you my whole life, he said. I've fallen in love these past few nights, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life without you. Will you? No, her stepmother shouted. You cannot marry her. Stepmother, what are you doing here? Rosemary asked. I saw everything you did. Now go home, her stepmother shouted. Then she slapped Rosemary, and the noise resounded around the courtyard. How dare you speak to her like that? What right do you have? Prince William said. I am your stepmother, she started. You are nothing to her or me, he shouted. Guards, escort this woman and anyone who came with her out of the palace, and he ran after Rosemary. He found her arguing with one of the stable boys, demanding that he bring her her carriage. Why are you leaving, he asked. I am no one, and you're supposed to marry a noble woman or a princess. I don't care. I love you for you. We can run away together and live in the country. There will be no one to bother you. No, you cannot do that. You have to stay here and rule your pe- rule your people. And what will you do? I will live with my steps, stepmother and her daughters and then i will die old and unmarried you cannot do that i will make my parents understand and they will let let me what marry you even if they do what will your people think and my stepmother will not allow it she has no power over you but just then he was interrupted by a voice you her stepmother shouted at rosemary you are coming with me and before the prince could do anything Rosemary's stepmother pulled her into the carriage and locked the door. Then the coachman whipped the horses and they were out of sight. Rosemary sat crying and crying in the corner of the carriage the whole way home, and when she got home her stepmother grabbed her by the arm and pulled her towards the basement. She made Rosemary take off the ball again and put on a dress that was brown and very itchy. Then her stepmother chained her to the wall and told her, I should have done this years ago when your father died. You will stay down here forever and you will only have bread and water. I don't want you to die. Why would I? But if you ever want to see the daylight or the sky again, you will sign this, saying the house and everything in it is mine. And with that, her stepmother left. Rosemary cried all night and into the the next day. One of her stepsisters brought some water and a little bread for her to eat, but she was not hungry. After two days, she was very hungry and faint. But on the third day, she heard shouting from upstairs. Let us into the basement, she heard someone shout. There's nothing down there, her stepmother said in reply. Then let us down there, she heard the same person shout. No, her stepmother shouted. Then the basement door banged open, and then she fainted for want of food and water. She woke in a lovely bedroom. Where am I, she asked. You're in the palace, she heard a kind voice say. Who are you, she asked. I'm the queen, the voice replied, and the queen stood up from the chair she had been sitting in. Your majesty, Rosemary was, Rosemary was shocked, trying to, get, trying to stand up. The queen shook her head. You must not get up. You're very weak, and you need your rest, the queen said. I will send one of my handmaids with some food and drink and some clothes for you to change into. Thank you, your majesty, Rosemary said. When the handmaid came with some food and a dress, Rosemary ate and then changed into the dress. It was quite pretty, but also comfortable. Then the handmaid did her hair in a pretty braid down her back. I will fetch the queen to see you, the handmaid said, and left, leaving Rosemary to sit and eat the rest of the food. You look beautiful, my dear, the queen said, coming in. Thank you, Rosemary replied. Now, there is someone who wants to see you. Come with me, the queen said, leading Rosemary through the hall into a large room, and standing by the fireplace, waiting, was William, Rosemary cried, running over to him and hugging him how did you find me well after your mother well after your stepmother took you i took my best riders and we went to almost every house in the city when we came to yours we searched everywhere and i was in despair when one of my guards spotted the door to the basement he went to open it but your stepmother stopped him saying there was nothing down there and there was no need to go down i knew at that point that there was something wrong and i started arguing with her with your stepmother to let us into the basement after a few minutes we were able to get into the basement we found you chained to the wall and passed out we arrested your stepmother and stepsisters for your imprisonment and brought you here where my mother took care of you he finished and hugged rosemary even tighter thank you she said to the queen now as i was going to say before your stepmother so rudely interrupted Prince William said, getting down on one knee. Rosemary, will you marry me? Yes, she cried, hugging him. After the wedding, Rosemary's stepmother and stepsisters were banished from the kingdom forever. And Princess Rosemary and Prince William lived happily ever after. The end.
1: The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Pop Goes the Weasel Popcorn. Have you gone round the mulberry bush looking for the best popcorn this side of the enchanted forest? Try Popco's the Weasel Popcorn for the best snack since the monkey started chasing various creatures. What's so special about this popcorn? It will give you a new jig in your step and want to make you get up and dance. We recommend enjoying this treat at lunch to skip the midday slump. Popco's the Weasel Popcorn. It's all in good fun. This episode is also brought to you by the Patreon supporters. You are the undeniable existence of fairies in an English garden. I don't know what that little red mark meant, but I was guessing it wasn't good for the tree. Somehow, this tree, or the people who lived here before, had pissed off one of the fair folk, and I had to take action if I was going to have any apple pie later in the year. I started a daily kindness campaign little treats left out near the tree some almonds and a ribbon a button and three sweets a bit of honey and a scrap of blue cloth i saw some of the offerings carried off by the birds in the yard we really do have a lot of them but i also noticed the rest were gone by the next morning it took a few days of gifting but i noticed the circle was gone from around that x and there was a gentle buzz as a few bees began to crawl around the tree I was desperate for the tree to be pollinated before the flowers were gone, so I planned one more gift today. day. I went to a local cookie shop, bought the prettiest cookie I could find, covered in frosting and edible glitter. I hoped that the unhappy Faye was charmed by gaudy sweets. I put it out under the tree and thought about it as I fell asleep that night. The next morning, I made my way across the lawn, a cup of tea in my hands, and stood near the tree with my eyes closed. All I could hear was buzzing as if the beautiful morning cloud of a tree was humming a special song. And then I looked and saw the cookie was gone, and so was the mark on the trunk. The bees had returned, and this fall, there would be apples. The second teller for this episode is Laura Sims. Laura weaves a brilliant combination of personal narrative with fairy tale and myth. Based in New York City, she continues to perform, teach, coach, and give keynote addresses worldwide. She was one of my early storytelling inspirations and still is to this day. This is from her album, Fish Tales, and this is the story of Raven's journey among the fish.
0: One day, Raven, god of all things, decided to go into the sea and find out How the sea people lived. And to look for his fish hook, which he had lost. He called Old Woman Underneath, who holds the earth up from the water with the large bone of a great beaver. He called her to raise the waters so he could slide down on a stick into the ocean without getting his feathers wet. Old Woman Underneath, did, as Raven commanded, lifted the waters and flooded the shores. He threw his stick down, made a path, and dove into the sea. The waters arched above Raven like a green sky. Just below him he saw a village. He entered the largest house right through the smoke hole. He entered the house of the chief of the halibut people. Halibut chief was strong, tall. He was wearing feathers sticking straight up in his hair. He served Raven a delicious meal, fresh berries and dried fish that live on the ocean floor. Raven asked many questions. Halibut chief explained, The fish people live beneath water, just as humans live above. Pleased to have met Halibut Chief, Raven continued on his way. He crossed a vast plain with no villages. Then in the distance, he saw dark smoke rising. He saw a giant fort. It was a dangerous place the fort of the shark people. Raven made himself invisible and went in. At the doorway, he saw an old, thin, boony man with a crooked mouth. Taking pity on this man, Raven said, "'Who are you?' The old man answered, "'I am your fish hook. "'I was captured by the terrible shark people. Raven hid the fish hook under his wing. The shark chief's house was enormous. There were fine blankets piled high on shelves. It was filled with noisy people all getting ready to go to battle. They were fighting the killer whales. Raven called to the shark chief, but he didn't answer. When people are really angry, they don't hear. Raven went outside and saw the killer whale army approaching. He turned the fort door into a sword and caused the shark people to swim away frightened. The killer whales returned home unharmed. Raven made the shark's promise they would never again swim at the bottom of the ocean. That's why even today they stay near the surface. That night, Raven went to the shark town. The sharks played drums and danced, made shark songs, and made a great feast for Raven. Then he went on. He visited the Sculpin people, They worked all the time. They were so busy. They didn't stop for anything. They hardly gave Raven any food. They thought only about themselves. Raven left quickly. He arrived at the Cod Town. Cod Town was a strange place. The town was in an unusual shape. All the fish were too pale. They walked with their heads down. Ooh, Raven painted all the cod red. That's the way they still are. The walrus people lived nearby. They were lazy. They were as lazy as Sculpin were busy. Mostly, they slept. Taking turns, they guarded their town from enemies but mostly from anyone who might wake them. Next, Raven went to see the sea lion people. The sea lions liked to disturb the walrus. They liked fighting. Their head chief had many wives and so many children. Raven was not happy there because they didn't take good care of their children. So he left. Next place he came to was the place he liked most. He came to the seal people. They were the finest people. They had many towns. They worked hard, but they loved each other and they liked to play. They were good to their children and to each other. They were generous. They gave Raven a big feast. Raven was happy. In fact, Raven thought about the people on earth and, satisfied, went back to old woman underneath. She set the waters back low again, and Raven returned to the earth. He stuck that fishhook on an island.
1: It's still there. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. And cheers, Shiloh, and for them sharing their stories. We hope they will continue writing and telling stories. You can find Laura Sims at laurasims.com. She has a bunch of albums to enjoy. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, send them to StoryStoryPodcast at gmail.com. If you send us an email, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The inspiration behind the fairy tale sponsor was the mulberry tree growing in the yard. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was the apple tree in the yard. I'm a little obsessed with the trees in my yard. The music is by Pottington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You'll hear more stories soon, but until then... Live happily ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket,
0: was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, When the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering
1: in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.